Hey, all right. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with another episode and a little bit of a different setup today. I'm going to be going through uh, more of the gospel. Last time we talked about the need for the gospel, sort of the bad side of the good news. Go and check that out if you uh, if you missed it, because these are going to sort of progress and build on themselves. I am also planning on doing sort of a, a condensed version of this as well. Once we finish, we'll get into sort of um, some real small bite-sized chunks that I am going to be making for, especially internally at our own church, where people can send these videos out or use them in teaching Bible studies. Uh, we heavily encourage folks to uh, read the Word of God for themselves. We make it very easy. We, we get community around it. We read the Bible through together using the Uversion app. We do all kinds of these um, these types of things to try and get people in the Word of God. And we highly encourage people to teach others, do Bible studies, get together, build community around the Word of God, uh, fellowship with one another around, again, our, our the name of our church, Bread, bread Breakers, right? <laughs> Breaking the bread of life together. So I'll probably be doing that as well. These are a little bit longer and they are building on each other, kind of one after the other. So I highly encourage you to watch the ones before uh, and then come to this one. Uh, the setup is a little bit different. Um, I'm just trying some stuff in the little home studio here. Let me know how, how you like it. If you uh, think the the, the microphone in the face is better. I'll probably do a little bit here and there, just different things. But um, today I want to use my hands to actually open the Word of God and get into the, um, the the pages of the Bible. I'm very I'm very like high tech. I love technology. I you know I don't keep a day planner or anything like that. It's all my phone, calendar, all that stuff. But when it comes to reading the Bible, just uh, teaching from it, reading. Um, there just a lot of times I like to use an actual Bible. Now, in my general, like everyday Bible reading, a lot of times I use my phone, pick it up, you know, alarm goes off in the morning, pick it up, boom, super convenient. But uh, again, I like to use a Bible for some reason. Maybe I'm just nostalgic or I don't, I don't know. But uh, so in any case, a little bit different setup. Uh, don't forget to do all the things. Subscribe, like, comment all that fun stuff, and uh, we're going to dive into this right now. The, the gospel, the gospel. What is the gospel? Now, last time we talked a lot about it. The word gospel basically just means good news, and generally the first four books of the New Testament, what we call the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we refer to as the gospels because the broadest view of, of the good news is generally what Jesus did, his uh, fulfilled, accomplished work. And that includes his, right, his birth, because he had to be here, right, to accomplish the work and everything. He came in the incarnation. And uh, also his ministry, the healing, the miracles, the teaching, but he came to fulfill a specific, uh, smaller, I'll say, subset of, of, of all in the, the, the entire corpus of his life. And so it's, it's totally proper 
to say the good news is the good news about Jesus. It's totally proper to say the gospel is the good news about Jesus or that the gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, one quick note on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John being the New Testament. If you study the Word of God, if you look at the end of the Gospels where Jesus is having his uh, last sort of uh, meal, Passover meal, all of that with his disciples, he says that, uh, take, the, take the bread, take the wine, this is my, my body and my blood of the New Testament, right? The blood shed for you of the New Testament or the New Covenant. When you go into the book of Hebrews, there's a deeper explanation that a New Testament or covenant doesn't come into being unless there's the death of the testator, I think is how it's worded in the, in the King James, and that's usually what's ingrained in my mind is the King James. I use uh, so many other versions of the Bible nowadays, but when I first started my reading and study, first probably, I don't know, four or five years of reading the Bible, uh, I hit the King James several times, so it's just in my mind. But long story short, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, are Old Testament, really. The New Covenant doesn't really come into being until you have at least the death, but I would argue the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the institution of the church created. That's really where the New Covenant is really birthed and launched. So the end of the Gospels to the beginning of the book of Acts in there is where you really have the shift. And then, of course, we know in 70 AD, Jesus prophesied, the destruction of Jerusalem, and that's where it culminated into a finish because there were these parallel structures going on at the time. There was the, the birth of Christianity, but you still had that old Judaic system. And if you read the book of Acts, you know that almost all the persecution that came on the church that they dealt with in that first 30 to 40 years, it was primarily the Jews. And then later in like the mid-60s, the late 60s, Nero jumped on board and started persecuting the church. Um, but in the early days, Rome was actually, it helped Paul. It helped some of the apostles not get killed or whatever from these, these Judaizers or these, uh, these Jews. You read the epistles and you see a lot of the problems that they have, many of the problems, most of the issues they dealt with had to do with that old system. And so we know in 70 AD, Jesus put a final stamp on it. He said, not one stone's going to be left on another using hyperbole to say it's going to be utter decimation. And so in that framework of kind of 80, we'll say 80, 30 to 80, 70 for easy math, um, we know that the church was kind of vindicated at the end of that time with the destruction of the temple and Jerusalem and all that. Now, why do I get into all that? Because a lot of people will go to things like the thief on the cross, where the thief on the cross, you know, uh, repents and tells Jesus, you know what, remember me when you're in your kingdom. And Jesus says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. People have to understand that as we move into the new covenant, that thief on the cross, Jesus is still breathing, right, on the cross. I mean, obviously with difficulty, <laughs> he's dying. But that thief on the cross is still under that old covenant system. It's not until you have death, burial, resurrection, uh, ascension, right? Jesus is reigning and ruling. Now the new covenant is in, in effect. I go into all that just to say, be careful when we're studying our Bibles. Be careful that we understand the context, understand the framework. It's not that, uh, it's not that you, you have to be a 20-year historian to, to get the Bible. You don't. 
But there was no Matthew, Mark, Luke, John division. There were no chapters, verses. Uh, that's all to try and be helpful to us. But let's make sure it's helpful and doesn't actually hurt. This is one of those situations where it could hurt somebody to look and read Matthew. And it, well, it says New Testament right here and think that's already the New Testament. It really isn't. The New Covenant is after the death, burial, resurrection. So let's dive into what the gospel really is. We already said the life, the ministry of Jesus, it, but specifically the Word of God tells us what the gospel is. If we go to the book of 1 Corinthians, and um, these pages are really small and light paper, so sometimes it's easy to flip way over where you want to go. So bear with me here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm in the NIV. I know a lot of times I read from the ESV, but uh, my ESV Bible, uh, actual paper Bible like this, is at the church. So here I am with the NIV. And like I said, I use multiple versions. NIV is a great version. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read 1 through um, one through 4, 5, 6, somewhere in there. Uh, we, we'll say 1 through 4. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Now, there's a lot there I'm going to touch on quickly. And as I said, I'm going to condense these for purposes of like teaching and, and dissemination, but these are the longer versions, so I'm going to stop and take a little bit more time. Now, he says the gospel, he's talking about the gospel that he gave to them, and he says, look, this is, this is how you're saved. You're saved through the gospel. Uh, so it's very important. You've taken your stand on the gospel, but he also says, if you hold firmly to what I preached, otherwise you believe in vain. Now, I know I've heard uh, very intelligent people come to this and say, well, the if doesn't mean if. There's no if attached to it. Um, but this gets into the, um, the idea that once you, once you obey the gospel, we'll get into that. Once you believe the gospel, I mean, you're sealed. You're done. It's signed, sealed, delivered. It, that's it for the rest of your life. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible does teach ifs, if then. You can go back to my Proverbs series like a year ago or whatever, and I, I, I talk about the if-then statements of Scripture um, because there's a lot of things that we want to hold to a promise of God, but God first says, well, if this, then this. Uh, and we see that all the way back in the Old Testament, right? If you continue to obey, right, Adam and Eve, here's the garden, let's go, it's forever. That was maybe implicit. Uh, he did say, if you, if you eat, you're going to die, <laughs> right? But look at the uh, promise to Moses and the children of Israel, right? You're going to go into the promised land, right? But there's an, there's an if there. If, if you continue to obey what I'm telling you, if you continue to walk in faith, but they didn't, and so they didn't go in. Even Moses didn't go in. So it's not a new thing. It's a very old thing. We need to stand on the Word of God, and he says you, have, you, could, you can believe in vain. True belief, real belief. He doesn't say it was a false belief, it was a faux belief, it wasn't real belief. He says, no, you really believe, but even that real belief can be in vain 
how can it be in vain if you don't firmly hold to what you believed in? Now, verse 3 says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Then there's a colon, and he describes what he, did, what he delivered to them. It's of first importance. This is why we need our ears need to perk up. The gospel is the most primary and critical thing, I would say, for the New Testament believer. Is it great? We need to go back to Genesis. We need to understand the Bible and its historicity, its historical context, how the different covenants work. Yes, yes, all that stuff is fantastic. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's amazing. God will blow your mind day after day, and He will never finish doing it. Even if you live 500 years old or 5,000 years old, He's amazing. But there are priorities in God. If you're coming in as a new believer, there Leviticus is great, but maybe we shouldn't jump into Leviticus with a new believer or as a new believer. There are some primary things. Let's do. Let's hit that and then expand and, and, and come in and, and narrow back down. So that's what he's saying. It's of first importance. What did he deliver? What did he receive? Here we go. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, and then the twelve. Verse 6 goes on to say, After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the, all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Now, this is the crux of it, right? The, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. To get there, you have his birth, his life, his ministry. But the core of it, boiling it down to the top principles of what is the gospel. Many people, I've watched videos. I watched that little um, thing, the American gospel, which I thought was good um, for the most part. There were a few things on there that I was like, eh. Um, but when they stuck to the fact that uh, so much of the Western church, the American church, the Christian church, is not a church at all. It is not. Um, and they teach a false gospel. But then, I mean, so what is the real gospel? Well, it's it's Jesus. It's his life. What, what? Okay, high level, elevator pitch. You got 60 seconds. What's the gospel? I... I feel like they didn't do a fan. It was there, but I, I feel like it just they just didn't do a fantastic job of just going to 1 Corinthians 15 and saying, this is the gospel. If you want the gospel in a nutshell, I don't need six floors in 60 seconds. I can give it to you in 10 seconds. What's the gospel? Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Boom. Done. That's three seconds. Four seconds. Um, that's what it is. Now, there's a lot more to it. Okay, how does that help us? What do we do? Okay, what's next? We know it, but what's next? And we're going to get into that. But the gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, it's important to also note, when we say resurrection, that includes his ascension. I know that he resurrected, and then for some time he was there ministering and bringing people together, and then he ascended and said, go wait for, you know, for the promise of the Father in Jerusalem. He didn't just resurrect and ascend directly uh, into heaven and just stay there, okay? But uh, 
the fact that he's ruling, reigning now, it currently, is important. He resurrected, and there are people that I, again, I know people who, they, yes, he resurrected, but they have a hard time, like, with the, and he's king of kings right now, he's lord of lords right now, he's reigning and ruling now, he's not been pushed off to the sidelines while Satan reigns and rules and has dominion, and, the, and Jesus is just, like, biting his nails, oh, I hope I can, when, when do I get to come, jump back in the game, put me in, coach? That's not it, <laughs> okay? And so, I just want to make that clear. What is the gospel? Hopefully by now you've heard it. What is it? Think about it. Hit me up. What is it? Talk to me. Tell me. What is it? Three things. Death, burial, resurrection. Let's say that again. Death, burial, resurrection. That is the gospel according to what Paul said. Now, let's go back and let's look at the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because what... What does that accomplish for us? What does that mean for us? I, I know that people will read the, the words of Jesus, the words of the apostles, and some people will believe it. They will hear the information and they'll say, you know what, I believe that information is true. I believe the historicity of Jesus. I believe he died. I believe he was buried. I even believe he rose again. That's the best explanation from the evidence. Does that save somebody? They believe it? Is that what saves them? Let's look at um, Jesus in his earthly ministry at the very beginning. This is the book of Mark chapter 1. Um, we have Jesus coming out of the wilderness after his, uh, after his baptism, and then after the temptation in the wilderness. Right, Mark really... Right, you got Matthew's 28 chapters, Mark is 16 chapters. I mean, he just condenses stuff down. Um, so if you want to read a gospel and get the high level uh, front to back, Mark is, Mark is your place, right? Because it's 16 chapters versus the others. The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right, all tell that same basic overarching uh, summary story of Jesus from birth to um, the Great Commission. Uh, John gets into a lot more nuance and a lot more um, theology, if you want to call it that. But uh, uh, Matthew and Luke are a little bit longer. Now, I always recommend to new people, uh, new folks reading the Scriptures, or if it's been a long time since you've really dived into the Scriptures or whatever, I, I recommend that people go to Luke and Acts. Start in Luke and then read Acts because it's a part one, part two. So you get the Gospel of Luke which is telling the same general um, information and history of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But then you immediately go to part two, which is the book of Acts, written by the same person, Luke, to the same person, Theophilus. And you get that full, here's what Jesus did, here's his ministry, death, burial, resurrection. Now what? Instead of reading another gospel that tells the same account, now you go to the now what? Open up the book of Acts, and it's a continuation then I recommend people go back to Matthew and just read through. Uh, again, you do what you want to do. You, you, you get into the Word of God and start reading and studying for yourself. That's just, that's the best thing. So anyway, back to Mark. Mark chapter 1, we're going to go to uh, verse 14. It says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, the gospel 
of God. What, do we, what did he say? Verse 15, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Hmm. So Jesus is saying that you got to believe, but you need to repent as well. Repent. That's very interesting. Now, if we go all the way back to the book of Matthew, and we go to Matthew chapter 1, specifically what we're looking for is a, the, the reason that Jesus came. We talked about this last time as well. Matthew 1.21 says this. This is when the angel is, just, is talking to Mary and talking about her having this child and what, he, what he's going to do and everything, right? Uh, or, sorry, talking to Joseph. Um, and then Matthew 1, it says uh, verse in verse 20, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, talking about Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit is the Father of Jesus Christ, is what he's saying. You can go to Luke chapter 1 and see more on that as well. Um, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, that word Jesus, uh, Yeshua, uh, also you know, Joshua, it basically means uh, Yahweh or Jehovah, my salvation, or Yahweh has become my salvation, or Yahweh, my salvation, you know, some kind of iteration of that. Yahweh saves, um, or Jehovah, right? Those are both Yahweh. Jehovah is the longer rendering of Yahweh. Um, but he's going to be salvation. But what is he going to be? Eternal salvation in, in, in the grand land of, he, of heaven one day? Yes. But more um, in proximity, closer in time, and, and, and more directly for us in the earth, what did it say? He will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save us so that we don't have to be slaves of sin any longer. And when, when we overcome sin through the blood of Christ, through His imputed righteousness, through the obedience of the gospel, what happens? We can overcome sin in this life, and we become members of the kingdom of God. And when we die, or Jesus uh, rolls everything up and finishes everything, um, we will be in the kingdom of God then too. And that's going to be, well, we'll say heaven, but the Bible doesn't really get into a whole lot a whole lot of what that state looks like. Um, I just want to. I just want to be there. <laughs> I I want to be in the kingdom of God right now. I don't want to just die and one day figure what what is this. I want to be in the kingdom now. I want to have power over sin now, and that's why Jesus came, and we can have that through the obedience of the gospel. Now, Jesus said to repent. He taught all throughout his ministry on the kingdom of God. He taught over and over and over and over. If we go to the book of Acts, uh, sorry, I'm not going to Acts yet, Matthew chapter 28, we see where Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again, and now he's uh, proclaiming what we call the Great Commission to his apostles. This is verse 16 of Matthew 28. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Remember what I said before. He's ruling. He's reigning now. Verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, real quick, the end of the age, what's that mean? Uh, uh, the way they looked at it, the way Jesus spoke about it and the apostles understood it was there was the Jewish age, the age that had gone from the establishment of Judaism as a religion, the temple, the worship system, and then there was going to be an age where it shifted and it went to the church and it becomes a spiritual kingdom. This is a lot of information. If you have any questions about it, hit me up, but I'm just explaining that word right there because it could be confusing to people. The church age and the and we'll call it the uh, the Jewish age and the church age. Uh, the Jewish age is when God is dealing with the people of you know the Hebrews, the people of Israel and their worship system, right? With the you know the law of Moses and all that stuff, and the and the sacrifices and the temple. The next age, the age to come. Uh, Paul mentions, I think in Corinthians, he says, uh, you know, it talks about we, the ones who on the, the, the ends of the age, or the ends of the ages have come. What's he talking about? He's talking about when God is going to utterly and totally destroy the first age and fully enter that second age. Because if you think about it, well, aren't they already in the new age, the, the new one? Not new age, like new age, you know, new age <laughs> religion, but the new age of the gospel. Well, yes, technically in the book of Acts, they're already in it. But the fulfillment, fully coming of that new age is when, like as I said, those two parallel systems, it's when Jesus came and destroyed the temple in AD 70. And then that age is completely and totally over. And you can see in the New Testament, the apostles anticipate this. They talk about it. Paul talks about the Thessalonians and Hebrews and, and Corinthians, different places. Peter talks about it, James talks about it, John talks about it. They're all anticipating this time when this persecution and this, we're trying to do this thing and there's this heavy weight constantly holding us back, holding us down, stopping us at every turn. And Jesus uh, ended that. He stopped that. And that's, that's the fulfillment or the end of that age. So Jesus said, I will be with you to the end of the age. Uh, does that take away from the fact that Jesus is with us always? He's with us now. He's with me as I do this podcast? Of course not. But what he's talking about there is I'm with you until the end of the age. So uh, so he's with them. Go and, go and preach. Go and uh, receive the promise of the Father. Go and wait in Jerusalem. Go and baptize. Uh, teach repentance. These are all things that the, that the, um, the Gospels sort of end with. That was Matthew. That was his account. That's how he words it. Here is uh, Mark. Mark chapter 16 and verse 14. Later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Uh, again, another word that gets confusing in the Bible. Age gets confusing. Creation. Get, are, are they are they preaching the gospel to the the birds and the squirrels and no, okay. All creation um, generally means uh, most uh, the broadest sense is, is talking about to mankind to the nations, right? Matthew said to the nations. Um, and specifically, who is it to? We know the Gospels to the Jew first and then to the Greek. 
uh, a lot of times when the Bible is talking about creation, it's actually talking about uh, to the Jews, to all the Jews, all the nations of Jews, right? the 12 nations of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, but he's not talking about preach it to the, you know, to the goats and the alligators. He's saying, um, go and teach the gospel, the good news, to all creation. And we know that, of course, went into Jews, Gentiles, everyone. Um, verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Here's something very new, right? Jesus taught repent and believe. Now he's saying believe and be baptized. There's another thing that Jesus says this needs to happen, right? Verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll, they'll pick up snakes with their hands and with they uh, and when they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied. So again, Mark's account, some very interesting things. We've got baptism now. We've got repentance. Are these uh, contradicting one another? No. These are folks who are writing and penning their witness account, and it some of them talk, talk about and emphasize some things, and some talk about and emphasize others. Um, we have repentance being taught by Jesus Christ. We see that uh, Matthew mentions baptizing. We see that Mark mentions baptizing. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. That's very interesting from the, from the mouth of Jesus Christ. Um, then we have Luke's account. Again, Everybody doesn't mention every single thing. That's why we look at all the accounts to get a full picture of what went on. So uh, Luke chapter 24, and we're going to go to, <coughs> excuse me, verse, um, let's go to verse 45. Then he opened their minds to, so they could understand the scriptures. So this is Jesus opening the minds of the apostles. Verse 46, he told them, this is, what is, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Now, again, all of them very consistent. Repentance, remission of sins, uh, specifically talking about go to Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. You need to wait there because it's going to be to the Jew first. Um, there's just, again, a lot of parallels, a lot of uh, consistency, and we see that Jesus has this message of, I have power and authority, it will be given to you, you will have power and authority, I want you to go out, you're going to be preaching the gospel, you're going to be baptizing people, um, but first, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Now, at the uh, end of the, at, at the end of the Gospels, we have, the, uh, we have the Great Commission at the, and then the Ascension and everything. And then at the beginning of Acts, that's, this is where it kind of picks up. 
the beginning of Acts. Uh, this is Acts chapter 1 and verse um, 4. On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now he's telling them, hey, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. So we've talked about repentance. We've talked about Holy Spirit. We've talked about baptism in water. Um, let's look at hmm, let's look at some more. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? This is very interesting because they were still thinking in terms of that old physical age, that old physical Jewish system. And they're like, hey, is this when you're going to rally the troops, sit on the throne of David, we're going to have armies, we're going to have shields, we're going to have, you know, a kingdom. And they were still thinking physical. It really wasn't until they received the Holy Spirit that they began realizing that the kingdom of God is going to be a spiritual kingdom. Um, yes, there's physical elements, right? I'm right here. I'm flesh and blood, uh, right? If you pick up people for church in a church van, that's a physical thing. But the kingdom itself is a spiritual kingdom. So, what does he say to them when they go to this, go down this route yet again? He said to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set in His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken before their very eyes, up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And then the angels come, they're looking up, the angels come and say, Hey, remember he said go to Jerusalem? Get over there and wait. Now, before we get in, into them waiting and the first time the gospel is preached, let's just uh, reiterate some things that I've been saying. We find this in the book of Romans chapter 1. Now, it's important also, remember, it's important to remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are really still Old Testament covenant, even though we put them in the New Testament of our Bible. It's also important to know that the epistles, after you pass the book of Acts, these letters are written, that's what epistle means, these letters are written to saved people, either individuals or churches. No one is writing an epistle, turning it into a paper airplane, and throwing it out there and hoping some uh, unsaved person opens it up and figures out how to be saved. That is not the purpose of the epistles. And so we have to be careful trying to pull and derive doctrines of salvation out of the epistles if we don't actually have evidence in the Bible of when that is preached and carried out. What do I mean by that? Um, we will go to the book of Acts and we will show where the gospel is preached for the first time and what Jesus and the apostles said God and Jesus required people to do when they believe the gospel. When you get to the book of Romans or Galatians or Thessalonians, those are people that have already done that. They've already done what Jesus said, I want you to do this if you believe. I want you to do this in obedience. And so we need to always compare Scripture with Scripture and make sure we're properly validating, checking, doing proper exegesis. So Romans chapter 1, verse 16, check this out. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. 
For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, what's important there? Reiterating 1 Corinthians 15, we're saved through the gospel, right? The gospel brings salvation. Second, it's to the Jew first. This is, I mean, the, the early church was all Jews originally. Thousands and thousands of people converted within a matter of days and weeks. It's all Jews. And so God fulfilled his promise. It's to the Jew first. Now, back to our chronology here. Uh, the history of, of what went on. Jesus gives the, what we call the Great Commission. He ascends into heaven. Go and wait for, Jeru uh, for what's going to happen in Jerusalem, the promise of the Father. Now they're in Jerusalem waiting, praying, doing their thing. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Pretty amazing. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All right. Then it goes on to say there's all these Jews from every nation under heaven. Now, obviously, there weren't any American Indian Jew, Jews there. There were no Australian Jews there. The Bible uses these terms because the Bible is focused on specific things. It's focused on the nation of Israel. And so all the nations were there, basically everybody in different regions that were Hebrews that had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost, right? God knew what he was doing. He brought everybody in. He said, I'm not going to... The initial explosion of the gospel, I'm not going to make you go out there and, and, and reach everybody. I'm going to bring everybody to you. And then you're going to go out and reach everybody, because they did. But amazing how God worked this out. Because God's awesome. Um, then we have the, the preaching of the gospel for the first time. And it's getting long here, and so I'm going to uh, quickly summarize, and then we'll go into the next part and, and build this out more. Uh, Peter stands up. These people are like, what's going on? This is crazy. Peter stands up. He preaches the gospel message for the first time. The first time the gospel is ever preached is Acts chapter 2. You will not find it preached. You will talk about Jesus. We will see Jesus saying, believe the gospel, believe the good news, the kingdom of God is here, repent. Right? He tells them, go and teach and baptize people. People are going to receive the Holy Spirit. But the gospel is never preached until Acts chapter 2. It's the first time we see it. Now, after this, he preaches the gospel. People are convicted. And then we hear the first time where God is like, here is what, how you properly respond to the gospel. And we'll get into that next time as well. Then he continues on, and we see who the gospel is for, who the promise is to, and we will catch all of that on the next episode. But for now, let's remember this. The gospel is what? Death, burial, resurrection, slash ascension of Jesus Christ. Jesus preached throughout his life of the kingdom of God, he preached repentance and believing the gospel. Then he fulfills what he came to do, death, burial, resurrection, ascension. Remember, he said on the cross, it is finished. And that work was fulfilled and finished and completed at the cross. He then told his apostles, his disciples, 
Go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise. From Matthew, from Mark, from Luke, in the beginning of uh, Acts chapter 1, we see what is this. He says there's going to be repentance preached. There's going to be baptism preached. There's going to be infilling of the Holy Spirit. Right? You're going to go and you're going to, do, you're going to take this to everyone. And we call this the Great Commission. Now, we get to the book of Acts, and it's the first time it rolls out and it is preached. So, let's remember this, study this, go back and read some of these, and we'll catch you next time on the next podcast.